This is our next episode of Assistant Stories, the podcast from the Global Association of Assistance Professionals, or GAAP, as it's far easier to call it. We're a network of uh, assistance industry people and people connected to the industry uh, who will get together on LinkedIn and like to kind of just share some news, keep on top of what's going on in the world, and chat about all things assistance related, I suppose. Um, Really excited today because I am joined here by a really, really fantastic guest. I'm joined here by Chloe Waters, uh, who is from FJN Solutions. FJN Solutions is a specialist recruitment company for the insurance sector. So uh, rather than me trying to tell you all about what they do, um, firstly, hi, Chloe, how are you? Yes, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, really well, thank you. It's really good of you to be here. Thanks ever so much for taking the time to come and talk with us. No worries, thank you for having me. We are all very keen to hear all about FJN Solutions and and rather than listen to me prattle on, we're here to hear you. So first question for you really, Chloe, what is FJN Solutions and what is it that you do? So yeah, so FJN Solutions um, is a specialist insurance agency. Um, We were founded initially under another company name back in 2014 and we have recently just rebranded. So um, we rebranded this February and we have also just moved to a brand new office. Um, it's, yeah, super exciting time for us and lots going on. We, um, we're a team of three um, and as a collective we have about 30 years recruitment experience and all three of us have come from an insurance background. So, um, you know, ideal that we've understood the kind of insurance market from, from day one. Um, it's myself, Stuart Perry and Dan Small, the director. As I mentioned, we are based in Horsham, although we recruit across the whole of the UK and internationally. But um, yeah, in terms of what I do, as I said, I the company was founded in 2014. I also started my recruitment journey in 2014 and ever since I have recruited solely for the medical assistance market. So um, you name it, anything from your medical assistance coordinators to your senior management to your trainers, clinical staff, nurses, doctors, paramedics um, is yeah basically what I do on a day-to-day basis. That's fantastic. So you, you are a true assistance industry specialist yourself. I mean, yeah, you could you could put it like that, yeah. yeah. It's really, really great because you you came to us, um, we yeah. put out a post on LinkedIn saying, I want to talk to someone in the recruitment or the personnel development side of the assistance industry mm-hmm. to talk about careers. And it just appeared quite suddenly that all these roads just led to you, Chloe. Everyone was kind of pointing this thing at you and yours was the name that just came up and over and over again. So you've clearly got uh, a real personal network of your own in the industry. Yeah, definitely. I think because I've done it for so long and it is literally all I do, you know, I've made so many connections, friends, um, you know, through the years where some people I've never even, you know, got them a job. I just, you know, we've become friends. They, you know, they provide recommendations they give me advice on things I need to know or if I have a really simple question you know it's just I started from knowing very minimal to now that's all I do so I think I've just spent well yeah eight years doing this and yeah everybody seems to know everybody and everyone seems to know who I am and what I do which is great it suggests that you're very good at it then I mean I'd like to think so but (laughs) I'm still doing it so that's gonna be a good thing right (laughs) and 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 obviously quite modest um (laughs) So, Chloe, uh, uh, beyond just talking about the company, um, I've, I've got loads of questions um, 
firstly, what, what made you feel that medical assistance was kind of a valid enough niche to be worth going at as a specialist? So, um, yeah, so I initially, as I mentioned, came from an insurance background. So when I joined the agency that I worked for originally, um, they kind of brought me on to help support with broking roles because I was a commercial insurance broker. Um, and very, very quickly, I mean, I'm talking a couple of weeks into the role, a client approached us to say, could you help with medical assistance positions? Um, so, you know, did my research when I met the clients, started learning about the medical assistance industry. And then it turned out that, you know, there was there was so much to it. It wasn't just going to be the one-off couple of medical assistance roles. There was teams, there was companies that were developing teams or bringing in night teams. Um, there was the clinical side, the claims aspect, the trainers, you know, that there is literally so much to it that it soon became really, really busy. We contacted more companies, companies contacted us. I then worked with a lot of businesses for them to say, you know, we need a team of German speakers or Japanese speakers. Um, and it just spiralled from there, basically. And it it was like, wow, this is huge. There's so much to it. It is a full-time job. There's no point you, you know, getting involved with other bits. Just just run with the medical assistant stuff. And then it's just, it's just never stopped. And it's, you know, super busy today. Fantastic. So is it is it a hard industry to recruit for? I would say um, it can be. It can be difficult for for several reasons i think um pre-pandemic there was a lot of clients where um their locations were real sticking points to take on experienced people um they might have been out in the sticks you needed to drive um or again pre-brexit i was i relocated so many people from across the whole of europe to the uk to work for clients can't do that now so that gives you a bit of a you know a language issue sometimes um it's it's finding the right people and it's and then on the flip side of that if you're not looking for people with assistance experience it's finding the right individuals that have this skill set to be able to want to do assistance and to be able to actually do it because they're two different things i think as well so that's interesting talk to me more about skill sets and we we often hear this idea it comes up a lot on the podcast particularly people talk about being um i'm, I'm using my fingers here but in inverted quotes an assistance person yeah. Is there really such a thing, do you think? And is that something that we can describe? Or... Yeah, definitely. I do. I think um, there is this, like I say, vertical assistance person that exists. Um, I feel I'll go on a call sometimes. So I see someone's CV and I think, oh, you know, he, she ticks all these boxes. They look good. I'll give them a call and see a, if they're looking, b, if you know what they sound like. And I think you, you pick it up pretty quickly in the first couple of minutes of a call. You think, right. Are you a naturally warm person? Are you naturally empathetic? Are you, um, are you, you know, you ask them questions. Do you think they'd be able to handle things under extreme pressure? Um, do you think they could be a really professional in what they're doing and in their role, but also be a human being on the other end of the phone? Um, and my job is not only to, you know, pinpoint these people, but to educate them on, Okay, you know, how are you going to feel if you had to deal with this scenario? Um, or how are you going to feel if this situation has happened and someone's on the phone in absolute tears? And, you know, and some people are like, oh, you know, absolutely not. I don't think I could, be, I could handle that. And other people are like, you know, tragic, but I would love that. That is literally what I want to do. I want to help people. I want to be that person on the end of the phone. Um, so there definitely is that 
that assistance person out there. We've just got to find them, basically. And are there certain things that, that really dissuade people from getting involved in the industry? Or are people generally really up for it? I'd say um, the only thing sometimes that you'll, you'll face that might be a bit of a... Um, a sticking point, if you like, is a first and foremost, some people don't want to work shifts. So I have some clients that I recruit for that might have a mix of like days and nights. That's not going to work for everyone. I'm not going to try and convince someone they want to work night shifts. You either do or you don't. Mm -hmm. Um, You also salary, I'd say, again, since since the pandemic, things have improved. You know, home working's become a thing which is hugely beneficial in the sense that that opens up a whole pool of candidates that we can look at for everybody um but also they've looked at their their salaries as well and i think i i think that's the only thing sometimes is a salary can be quite low for what these people are expected to do okay particularly i suppose when you're moving people in from medical environments medically trained staff yeah exactly that and i think you know you you're competing with ie the nhs who again you know they pay okay um, with with some roles. Again, I think you know nurses and doctors and things should be paid more in the NHS, but that's another conversation. Um, but they'll have uplifts on things. They'll get extra time for doing overtime and things like that. So sometimes the the clinical salaries aren't as competitive. But then again, there's so much more and options and scope for somebody that comes from a medical background if they want to train to do flight work, the repatriation stuff. Um, you know, their salaries can increase very quickly and you will earn a lot more than you do in the NHS, but it's it's moving them from from the NHS to get them on that path. Interesting that you should talk about flight work and, and escort work and things because um, because that is huge fun. Yeah, exactly. Who wouldn't want yeah. to jump on a plane and go and help someone yeah. all around the world? Long haul, short haul, you pick, you know. Um, you know, let's let's use a nurse, for example. You know, I give them a call, have a chat. The only kind of other industry they've thought about going is into is like the, the PIP assessment stuff, um, the disability assessment roles. No one really kind of knows about this this whole assistance case management world. This, this you know, like you say, the repat work, the escorting, whatever you want to call it. I think what's attractive for the clinicians that I've worked with is the fact that it takes them out of that direct hospital setting. Mm. So, you know, if they've done it for years, they've, you know, they've had enough, they want to still use everything they know they've trained to do, um, the, or, you know, the extensive knowledge that they have. Um, it makes sense, right? You know, put them in an office or home-based role, they can still work in a specialist area if they want to, because a lot of clients will still utilise their, their core knowledge, but to, to help people on a global basis. It sounds like an absolute no-brainer. I think, um, it, I mean, it just immediately jumped out at me when you mentioned flight work and things. I think just knowing that those opportunities are out there and making enough of a profile for the assistance industry um, yeah. is probably a big part of the challenge. Do you do you see any of that? Are we making progress there? Are these becoming better publicised or not really? I don't... Yeah, do you know what I've I've thought about this since yeah since two thousand probably fifteen when I you know managed to get all my head around it and really work out what what I'm doing and how I'm going to make this this role easier to come up with all these you know suitable people. But I just honestly that there just isn't anything out there. There isn't enough you know I, I guess knowledge or information out in the public domain. You know where do you ever see advertising for? 
working in the travel world other than you know maybe becoming a travel agent you know mm. they're just in this unless you know someone who has worked in assistance or you've had to unfortunately utilize an assistance service you don't know about it where are you going to read about it you tell me i mean you'll see a job advert maybe but again that doesn't really help that's not really getting lots of adverts out there or if you're not even looking for a job where do you ever see something where someone says you know would you are you a nurse are you a doctor have you had enough of working in a hospital would you want to do this it's just there's just not there's not anything out there and i've tried to tap into different markets i've tried to tap into different you know kind of language networks and things like that just to kind of get out there a bit more and provide some more information and educate people that this this um sector exists but not one person can do that it needs to be an industry-wide thing where it is really pushed out how we do that i don't know but things like this will help of course um but yeah it's completely under the radar this whole this whole market thank you under the radar perfectly exactly the expression that i've been Strumbling around for in the dark. Perfect. It is. It is. It's under the radar. Um, I mean, in, yeah. in my line of work, I speak regularly to huge numbers of language graduates, and particularly bilingual students as they as they leave university and masters courses, and they are not yeah. they are not looking at the assistance industry because they don't know it's there, um, and nice. it's a great source probably of transferable skills that could be coming into the industry. There must be others yeah. though. Where do you? Um, what kind of environments would you would you recruit from? Um, it, it can range from anything. I can I can I've moved, for example, I moved an individual from Croatia. That person um, worked in a dentist, um, and she basically dealt with tons of individuals that were calling, making appointments, visiting the dentist from all over the world. So she had tons of language skills, um, and had worked in a you know a medical customer service role. She moved her to the UK, placed her in a medical assistance role brilliant you know done fantastically absolutely loved it um or someone that just has lots of languages that wants to utilize them someone from it could be anything citizens advice they've just been on the phone helping people could be nhs 111 you know it just someone that is i think it's always beneficial that they've had that kind of telephone aspect so that you know they're used to that yeah. it's not a must but they're kind of used to it and know what to expect um but I guess a role where, yeah, they've helped people. Or again, I've, I've relocated people that have worked within the travel agency side of things um, and have used languages, have made changes, have got involved sometimes when changes need to be made to bookings because of a, an insurance kind of related query or problem. Um, it, I just think if you've got the skill set to do it and you, you, know, you might have the languages or you might you know, have a little bit of experience in that field, you, you can do it the training is there and the training is second to none with all the companies you know this is a hard role you're not just going to be thrown on the phone day two and expect to know what you're doing it's it is you know it's thorough so i think yeah that's you can give it a go no matter what your background is you've just got to have the skill set and you've got to be aware of what the role is and it's and it can be challenging and are there opportunities out there like in numbers is, is the industry recruiting right now or is the industry kind of shedding right now i mean the the assistance industry is back back with a bang i'd say um crikey i think you know obviously covid wise it was crippling overnight it mm. kind of just stopped and there was nothing and you know there's been redundancies and all sorts and it's it's been a really sad time for everybody in the world but um 
it's so busy right now. Um, to give you an idea, I mean, I've got, I think, about 40 jobs with one client. Um, I, I, I've got tons of jobs, tons and tons of jobs wow. from right. your assistants to your clinical. So there's so much opportunity there. There's the working from home element now, which I mentioned, which is great because it doesn't eliminate. That's got to be a real game changer, hasn't it? Well, exactly. It doesn't eliminate anyone now because of their location or because they can't get to a train station mm. or they don't have a car. Um, the geographical element isn't a problem, which is brilliant. The training's remotely. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's yeah, it's busier than ever. So is there a, is there a candidate? shortage or we got loads of those as well no so i'd say there is definitely a candidate shortage at the moment i think as much as i'm saying these things are all positive which they are um a lot of experienced people are wanting to stay in their roles because they can now work from home the salaries have been increased um generally across across the board there's been lots of improvements on benefits and things like that um so people are retaining stuff but that there is definitely there is definitely a shortage in skilled assistance people, but also a lot of um, if I'm looking for linguists and things, a lot of people have gone back to their home country since the pandemic as well. I've seen that massive mm. the amount of people I've tried to contact right. with specific language skills, and they said, "Oh, I've moved back to you know wherever Spain, Portugal." Um, because of everything that's gone on so yeah it's just tapping back into that market finding people that want to move are confident because again people haven't been confident to move recently with everything going on and how badly the travel market was affected people are a bit like no way that's risky I can't move. well that's interesting you, when you say when you when you say move you mean to change employer yeah yeah exactly right. that because you know you look at it and you think well the, the pandemic is causing huge issues. Although the company might be busy now, what's going to happen with COVID again? Is my job going to be mm. safe if I move? You know, will I have to go? And I've left my job that I've been with for years. Um, there wasn't a lot of stability there, but th there is now. I think, you know, people are... COVID is slowly and hopefully kind of veering away. Travel is hugely picking up. Travel sales are going up. The confidence is back. The vaccine's rolled out. You know, people have got more confidence, therefore all these staff are needed and now is a brilliant time because I think I see it so much that new teams are being brought in um, or they're, they're kind of changing up departments, support departments for like the assistant teams. So if someone wants to come in and build a career, I mean, absolutely do it now. Get, get in there now because there's going to be so mm. much opportunity. That makes so much sense. Um, I... I think now has a real feel of new start. A lot's just been changed. Mm. The dust is kind of settling right now, and now is now is I think a really exciting time yeah. to be in and around the assistance world. But I can see why it's also um, a daunting leap, I suppose, for someone moving into a whole new world. Yeah, definitely. Carrying on from that, thinking about people outside of the assistance industry who might be looking mm -hmm. in, what would be your advice for someone? who's maybe thinking, I, I think that sounds like this is, this is for me. I'd like to give that a go. What, what, how do they maybe find out if it's for them and make that first step into yeah. assistance for someone who thinks they've got transferable skills? So I'd say, um, you know, reach out to someone like me, someone that works in this, in this market. You know, I always have conversations with people, as I mentioned at the beginning of the call, I don't 
speaking to me doesn't mean I'm just going to get you a job and that's the only reason, you know, we'll be in contact. Um, mm-hmm. I can give you information, I can answer any questions, or, you know, you might know someone that's, you know, you might know someone that does a bit of work within the assistance world, you might see them on LinkedIn, reach out, ask some questions, you know, I'm interested in this, could you tell me a bit about it? Um, or, you know, again, if you apply directly, you speak to somebody like me, go for an interview, go go and have an interview, see how it goes, you know, the client essentially is either going to offer you a job or they're not, it's, you know, they are the decision maker, but equally you have an equal decision to make on whether they are the right company for you or not, um, and I, I will be honest, I think the majority of people that will interview you will be as honest as I am, and they will give you real harsh examples of kind of some of the bad things you could deal with, but then will give you the rewarding aspect as well, and you know that's that's for you to decide do you think yeah i definitely can do this are they the right company for you do the hours work do you think you you can give it everything that they need you to and you make the decision as well it's a two-way street definitely you know go for it go and have a chat with these people that nine times out of ten would have done this role for 10 15 years um they like i said they'll be brutally honest they'll tell you the good bits the bad bits um and then you can decide and there's been people before that have been like i've been now that I've done the interview, I'm more sold than I was before. Like, this is brilliant. You were right. You know, I'm so glad I met them and had this chat. That's such brilliant advice. I love it. Thank you. One thing we hear a lot on this podcast is that the assistance industry is incredibly well interconnected. Yeah. So the people in assistance companies know each other. So they may all be competing in some respect, but there's an awful lot of um, mutual respect between companies but they also all know each other so um it's i find it's not uncommon to meet uh, network managers or operation directors who have worked for two three four five several yeah the different assistance companies um and it creates this really lovely idea of kind of becoming as we've said like an assistance person Mm -hmm. but once once you've really got your feet kind of under the rug in the industry people really stay um, mm. and become incredibly loyal to the industry. Do you see that? Yeah, 100%. You're right. I think it, it, it's a very small market in the sense that absolutely everybody knows everybody. Um, mm. And yeah, it's so interconnected in the sense that, you know, there'll be so many crossovers of dealing with different businesses within your role and, um, you know, yeah, having having involvement with so many different departments, etc. And people do move on. They develop, they they change companies. And I think... As soon as you'll recognise as that kind of go-to person or, you know, so-and-so, you know, they're brilliant. They're absolutely excellent at your job. You'll be recommended. There'll be opportunities that are just endless for you. Um, So, yeah, you know, it's important in any market to have a good reputation. But I think because it's so small, you will... That there will always be that somebody that knows you. And I think the better you do, obviously, the more that that is going to really kind of support and help you grow. Yeah, uh, um, which I think feeds into this idea of, uh, I mean, you, you've already said it, but creating a personal reputation and building your own personal networks. Yeah. Um, getting your foot into your first role in the industry is, is one thing. And I'm sure that seems very challenging, but once you're in there, remembering to do the networking and, and keeping 
in touch with the the, the colleagues that leave and move on yeah. and all of those they're, they're all opportunities aren't they? yeah 100 percent. they're all opportunities and i think you know there is quite a few networking events as well that people can you know turn up to you're not just going to be that voice on the phone you're a face you know people will get to know you they'll remember you um and i think yeah it's it's definitely important because if you make a good kind of a good impact in the team or you know where you work then people will remember you and they'll always be like x is fantastic you know and there'll be there'll be endless opportunities definitely so i think for such a small market you definitely want to yeah have that kind of personal um professional opinion that is is seen of you which i think leads us kind of full circle really nicely back to like when you talked about what makes a good assistance person, the first three qualities you gave were warmth, empathy, and understanding. Mm-hmm. They're really human, really interpersonal. They're not, you didn't go, you've got to be really organized and you've got to speak six languages and you've got to be able to work a computer really fast. It's not, it's that, that stuff's organizational. Yeah. But the really key skills are human, aren't they? They're, they're, yeah relationships 100% that that is exactly it you there's so many things you can teach someone but you can't teach someone to be empathetic you can't teach someone Mm. to be personable and to just you know have a natural naturally warm personality towards anybody that they meet you can't teach those traits but they're such important things for this job um and I think you know it's that that personally is where I, I think people do do well. You know, I, I meet people all the time that they'll you know they'll tell me about a case they've dealt with years ago that stuck with them forever, and people have cried, they've got really upset, and you just think, do you know what you you really care, and that's why you're so good at your job because you actually really do care. It's not just a job to you. I think you've you've painted that picture so nicely, and so much of what you said is going to be so useful both people both both kind of in in the early section of their assistance careers now but also looking at it as an opportunity so um just thanks so much for that Chloe. That, that's all fantastic yeah. um so a little bit less less of the talking shop now tell us just a little bit we want to know a bit about you out, out outside of work what keeps you smiling and keeps you, keeps you what do you do with the rest of the time <laughs> um i probably actually have quite a boring life but um i'd say so i've got a dog my little dog hank who's a cavapoo he um a ca- a cavapoo yes oh. a little fluffy thing um with a really aggressive name just so people think <laughs> got a rottweiler or something when i'm screaming his name in the woods um but he yeah love walking him he's a you know complete distraction and you know you clear your mind when you take him out and he yeah. loves life so that makes me happy um so yeah i look after Hank I enjoy seeing my friends I love traveling so I will be on holiday at oh, yeah. any point I can yeah um that's a I think it I think it's in the blood for assistance people um most of the assistance people I speak to kind of will mention travel right up in their kind of top two or three yeah. interests um have you have you traveled a lot yeah so I've recently just came back from Barbados which was amazing oh, wow. um yeah highly recommend if no one's been it's literally beautiful but everyone there is the nicest people in the whole entire world um yeah note that down um the weather was really good as well to be fair well after about three days of rain but it was good oh no (laughs) yeah i was like what is going on but no it was it was worth it um i went traveling 
I don't know now, maybe four years ago for about five months. Oh, um, I took a sabbatical at work, yeah. I uh, went to Australia, Bali, Fiji, uh, Singapore. Um, and that was, yeah, it was amazing. It was, oh, I bet it was. a real yeah. life experience. And um, yeah, anytime I can now get away. My brother lives in Copenhagen. So, you know, I can fly over and see him, which is really cool. It's a cool city. Um so yeah, whenever I can, I definitely will hop in a plane. Although I'd rather go somewhere hot. I'm not really a cold weather person. I get that completely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So so your trip to the Antipodes must have been absolutely spot on for you. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, Bali. Where else did you say Singapore? All, yeah. all lovely warm places. Yeah. Yeah, it was all warm. Although I think I'm. I sound like I'm cursed now. That I'm saying all this out loud. When we were in Thailand, the first two and a half weeks. There was literally a monsoon, so oh, the no. rain was up half your shins. Like you were just walking in just like lakes of, of rain, like everywhere. Oh, um, and again, I was thinking, how how have I come all the way this all this way, and this has happened? But um, and there was actually yeah, there was a few bad storms and floods in Fiji when I was there, so I'm definitely cursed. Um, but no, they they were all hot countries and amazing as well the culture and just yeah exploring doing loads of cool things um we had a guest on a previous episode called james miller and he said something i found really really interesting which he said that uh, since he became involved with the travel insurance industry he's actually able to travel with much greater confidence and much greater ease simply knowing that the assistance industry is out there and that whatever scrape you might get yourself into Loads, loads of people have been in that situation before you and that there are companies out there whose sole purpose is to sort you out, look after you and get you the right care. Yeah. It's massively reassuring when you're out there doing things that to you seem totally crazy and daring and mental, like bungee jumping in New Zealand. Of course. <laughs> and there is this whole fantastic industry that will look after you and, and sort it out as long as you've paid your annual travel premium. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think that's the scary part as well is the fact that it is it is so comforting knowing you have an insurance policy. So funny enough, I actually when I went traveling, the girl I went with, my friend Lauren, she, um, I, you know, we had this t- checklist of things we need to do. And I was like, right, travel insurance. And she's like, we do not need travel insurance as if I would just come up with the most ridiculous comment. And I was like, <laughs> oh, Lauren, <laughs> Lauren, travel <laughs> absolutely trust me we need to take travel insurance so left it down to me so I did it and um you know we were in Thailand people whizzing off on mopeds and all sorts and I was probably being you know I was like no we won't be covered if we hurt ourselves if we're on those and didn't didn't (laughs) the silly things should we say um but she did actually fall ill so when we went to when we made it to Bali she was really really unwell um gave it three or four days and I was like a, you look dreadful. Um, B, you're so ill still. Like we need to do something about this. And lo and behold, we, you know, we used the assistance service. So we called the number on her policy. She was like, "Well, what happens now?" So I explained it to her, and there was a taxi outside our, ho- our hostel um, to pick her up because she wasn't, you know, she didn't need an ambulance or anything like that. Um, but she spent, yeah, I think it was just under two weeks in the hospital in Bali and was really unwell, but again being on the other side of it and her realizing okay you were right with the travel insurance thing and I've not personally touched wood other than that had to use it before but you see firsthand what these people do and Mm. how quickly they respond and how good it was as well um so yeah I've definitely seen the other side as well 
Well, right. Well, you definitely have that, haven't you? You've, <laughs> you've, you've, you've seen, it, seen it for real. Yeah. So I'm sure you've seen this coming, Chloe, but at the end of this podcast, there's one question that no one can get away from. We ask absolutely everyone this. Um, it's, it's, it's just a bit of fun, really. But if I could give yeah. you complete godlike yeah, powers and put you in charge of the entire world, I'm going to offer you the opportunity to, 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 to make some changes. Where, where would you want to start? What would you want to change if I could put you, if I could give you that power to change anything you want? Yes, that is a good question. It's one to really put someone on the spot as well. It's, um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, on a serious note, I would say I would eliminate discrimination and poverty. That would be my first um, wow. go-to. Yeah. Um, discrimination and poverty. Okay, both, both very noble goals. Yeah. yeah, I think there's so many things in the world that you want to change. And I mean, if you really had to start it, you know, where do you start? But I just think the world would be a lot happier place if those two things didn't exist. Um, mm. And I think from an employment perspective with the whole kind of DNI diversity and inclusion piece at the moment, which is being hugely, hugely looked at and improved and marketed. And I think it's brilliant. You see so much about it. And I think every company needs to be, you know, shouting from the rooftops what they do to have right. a diverse and inclusive um, working environment. Um, which is good, but it doesn't just stop there. You know, there's so many things that you'd be endless things you'd need to get involved with. Um, but yeah, that's my, my serious answer. I'd say my non-serious answer, and it's a very selfish answer. I'd say I'd eliminate all seasons and it would just be hot all the time. (laughs) Oh, I like that. (laughs) I can completely get on board with that as well. I'm not one for the rain. No, definitely not. Um, it's probably a very British answer. But yeah, oh my to go goodness. straight for the weather. Completely, yeah. yeah. It's like 17 degrees and all we talk about is, oh, it's so hot, isn't it? Um, yeah. But no, it's lovely. If Yeah, that would be nice. Fantastic stuff. Well, both very, um, both both ideas that I can get completely on board with there, 100% behind you all the way. Um, my hope is that one day we'll be able to take all these answers and put them into a little book or, a, well, maybe a calendar or something <laughs> of the sort one day that we'll give out. <laughs> Um, my hope from, from talking to someone in your position today was that we would be able to paint a little bit of a picture of where opportunities are within the assistance industry, what, what it's really like a little bit more, um, and try and open the doors a little bit to people who are looking at it from the outside, who either don't know that it exists or don't really know what it is and if they could, when they have a place in it. Mm. So I, I, I think we will have done that really, really well. Just, just before I let you go, Chloe... Is there anything you want to share with us, a plug that's coming up, or just let us know how people can get in touch with you and who you might want to talk to? Yeah, for sure. Um, like I mentioned earlier, there is so much going on right now. Um, there, are, there are so many roles out there, and I love talking about assistance, as you've probably gathered that. Um, and I, if anybody wants to just have a conversation, then please do reach out. Um you can find my details on our website, literally just Google FJN um, Recruitment Solutions and we will come up. Um, or you can FJN find... Recruitment Solutions. Yep. Um, or or LinkedIn. I'm, you know, pretty active on there so I can pick up any messages. But I'd be happy to answer any questions, any, you know, from a candidate perspective, from a, you know, a company perspective on, on anything. Um, if I can help, I will. Fantastic advice. Thanks very much. And for LinkedIn, I know I've been calling you Chloe the whole way through, just so people know. It's Chloe Waters, isn't it, on LinkedIn? Chloe Waters, yeah, absolutely. Chloe Waters, yeah. You're, you're easy to find. Yeah. Um, 
Fantastic. And, and if anyone does want to get in touch with the podcast, you can find the group, which is Global Association of Assistance Professionals, um, or you can just find me, Tom Bull, uh, or my co-host, Jennifer Milton. Um, so get in touch if you want to talk to us about anything, if you've got any questions about anything we talked about, or if you'd like to be on the show. Um, otherwise, I think all that's left is for me to say thank you so much for your time, Chloe. I know this has been really, really useful. I've greatly enjoyed it. And um, I'm I hope you have too. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I hope this has been helpful to someone who listens. So thank you. Brilliant. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. And you. Cheers, Tom.